Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. The Hawksby and Jacobs daily podcast from TalkSport. This is uh, Paul Hawksby and uh, this is the H&J Daily with some of the best bits of this afternoon show. Well, understandably, it was dominated by the two big news stories of the day, the uh, potential European Super League and the sacking of Jose Mourinho, a man... Uh, who could cover both subjects with Martin Cloak from the uh, Tottenham Hotspur Supporters Trust, who was on fine, passionate form, as was our own Andy Brassel, European football expert, putting uh, his fan experience around this into perspective. We were very touched by that. Uh, John Motson joined us as well. as might be the man who thought we'd seen it all in the world of football. Uh, couldn't quite believe what was going on, we heard from him. And Mr Greedy from the Mr Men franchise, we heard from him as well. A new adventure around the uh, takeover. So here it all is. <laughs> Good afternoon, everyone. Good afternoon, Andy. Yes, you're right, Paul. It, it is the story that's going to dominate. I don't know about you, but between these plans, VAR and IFAB ruining and running the game, football is becoming harder and harder to love. And if they think that fans will put up with absolutely it, they're wrong. Yeah. Just look at baseball. Look what happened when the owners of the baseball and the players of baseball completely ignored the fans. It took them about two years to get them back. Yes. Because people people just, in the end, they just fall out of love with it. It's, it's They've got no right to do it. Gary Neville was spot on. The owners have got no right right to do this they're custodians of these clubs mm. it, the self the closed shop thing is so anti-football but i do personally feel and i agree with simon jordan who was brilliant on jim's show this morning i i think it's a bluff i think it's a negotiating position to get as much as you can mm. out of you know out of what the whole situation well look we'll, we'll be putting that question to, to people in the know this afternoon this does feel slightly different the fact that on mass all the head honchos of the clubs involved have walked away from the European Clubs Association, the kind of body that represents the interest of, of uh, clubs in UEFA, yeah. is is not a good sign. I think we're, we're going to be facing up now to a massive game of brinkmanship because all these clubs are basically, these 12 clubs are saying to their leagues uh, and to maybe UEFA and to FIFA that, uh, you know, we can do without you, but you can't do without us because they're working on the basis that the Premier League and La Liga and others will have to turn around and say, well, can we imagine our league without those sides? Can we imagine our league without Barcelona and Real Madrid or Juve? And if the answer's no, 
they welcome them back in. Um, but this is the problem. We've got this standoff now is whether some of the things we'll be talking about today, the legal aspects of that, whether you could have a situation where the, the Premier League would say, call their bluff and say, well, go on. Then I know you're very keen. You advocate that, Andy, don't you? I very much advocate that. For the long-term health of football, even if you suffered, even if the players got less money, even if Sky paid less, even if the Premier League was only made of six championship clubs and the 14 that were left, it would be best for the long-term health of football if you said to these six clubs, bye, you can go and play with you know, go and play in this league with yourselves every week. Mm. That's what you want. But we're not doing it. We're not going along with it. And also, broadcast companies don't show it. Don't bother to buy it. You know, you, you can. You <laughs> it's, can. It's a lovely idea, Andy. It. But we well, know there are two or three platforms that that would bite their hand off to to European Super League. Maybe new kids uh, in town. You know, we see this broadcast have been looking at this. This will be yeah. a kind of. The only trouble is, from my point of view, we, we look at football like that. It's football without jeopardy. Football without jeopardy is nothing. I mean, we see these international Champions Cup competitions where, you know, Juve and Real Madrid and mm. Arsenal or Spurs or whatever go to China and have a little tournament. So what? I mean, what are you left with in the end? And there's no jeopardy in these games. What's the point of a league where 15 of the 20 teams in it can never go down. What does that mean to you? It's just, I mean... But also, if if you're not one of the top teams, you're used to being a top side. Mm. Suddenly you're in the bottom three of the new European Super League. You're not going to like that, and your fans aren't going to like that. And so what are you going to do? You're going to start firing managers and the same problem. Mm. But it won't solve anything. I, I think it's just conceived in greed and total self-interest. And uh, it's really, really sad, actually. But I'm surprised. I'm disappointed at Chelsea. I'm really... So am I. I'm, I think this is I'm, the thing. We're yeah. both our clubs, I think, were a bit ashamed, really, by association to, to be part of this. I mean, I, I you know, I, it's not something I'm... I'm would, surprised. I just go back to that feeling when Spurs beat City and Crouchy scored that header. Mm. I'd always said to you, I think I'd cry when I heard the uh, Champions League hymn at White Hart Lane. I thought mm. I'd never do it. I thought we had no chance of getting in the mm. Champions League, you know, 12 years ago. Or, so, so when we did it on merit, we got fourth, we got in there. Okay, we didn't win a cup, but we got in the Champions League, something I thought I'd never see. It was fantastic, but we'd done it on merit. Just a ring yeah, fence sure. a competition where you know you're going to be in it every year. And, you know, the, the arrogance of that, my club and Arsenal and one or two others who aren't qualifying mm. for Europe at the moment. They're nowhere near qualifying for this Champions League through the through the usual ways. And I think they can just ring fence this competition where they play every year. I'll tell you what, it's something I thought of straight away. Robert Kraft, the owner of the Patriots, mm. um, we had him in the studio, and I just thought of this straight Many away yesterday, ago. many years ago. And there was some talk of him buying Liverpool, and I said, "Would you buy into? Uh, would you buy into Liverpool?" And he said, "I'd never buy into any sport that had promotion and relegation. I couldn't run my business like that." And that's clearly the thinking of the American owners. And I resisted punching him in the face. <laughs> at the time. <laughs> but they've got to honestly, a, clearly, these people. They've said they, they've said too many times at Premier League meetings. How do you run a business like this? How can you run a business where, you know, you, the, you could be in a competition or you won't be in a competition? But the three American owners, particularly Gary Neville's right, the, the, the traditional legacy <clears throat> clubs of Liverpool, Manchester United and Arsenal, they are culpable, those mm. blokes, because basically they only got involved with English football because of the attractiveness of those franchises, yeah. of, of the tradition of the history of Liverpool. It's absolutely disgusting. It's such a betrayal of what they're supposed to be. They're supposed to be custodians of these clubs, mm. not businessmen. Cronky's the worst, really. Look at Arsenal. What a state that club is in, really. Can 
considering what they were before he took over. It's appalling, really. It's to be it's resisted. I, I hate government involvement, but if it, I think it's needed. If this does go ahead, I think the government have got to get involved. I don't think this can be allowed to happen. I, I hope it won't happen. Well, we're going to try and cover all the bases today. <clears throat> Excuse me, we'll even be in America a little bit later on to talk about this. There's all this talk of it being an American model. It is an American model. They have a draft system. They do things differently. Teams that finish at the bottom, look, I mean, the, the, the cream generally does rise to the top, but there are teams that get the first pick of players uh, to give them some sort of competitive balance, uh, salary yeah. caps, etc. I mean, I don't know how much of this is going to be uh, in place in this uh, proposed Super League, but they, you know, there's no way. We haven't got the structure to have a draft system. So it's always going to be uh, top-heavy. And it's quite interesting. Quite a lot of those teams that you'd think would make up the other um, eight, certainly the three that will join as permanent members, PSG are not sounding keen. We've had Ander Herrera make a statement today. Where does this leave players? Players like him, and it's going to be interesting to see how many put their head above the parapet, but players like him who've said, I want no part of this, what if PSG decide in a month's time that they want to get on the gravy train? He has to put in a transfer request, doesn't he? Where does it leave him as a player? No, absolutely. I've heard people say that, oh, FIFA won't do anything. They won't stop the the greatest because they need the greatest stars in the World Cup. That's not, I don't agree with that. The Mm. World Cup isn't about Ronaldo and Messi. It's not. The World Cup is about your country competing in the World Cup. Mm. And that's what you want to see. And if England win the World Cup without those stars there, you'll be just as happy as they did it with Harry Kane or whoever. If you look at the domino effect of that, if if you work on that basis, that it's a lovely pure competition of country versus country, it's not anymore. So much of what Infantino does is promise money to small countries, and they need that money, developing countries that bring their football on, bring it up another level, facilities and kit and, and training staff and pitches yeah, and everything. But, still be but the they need that the money. That money comes from marketing, and the big World Cup sponsors only get involved because of Ronaldo, because of players like that, because of Messi. That's what they spend their money on. They'll just spend less money on it. That's less money to grassroots. This is the problem. Maybe. This is why they feel these clubs have got everybody over a barrel. This is It comes back to what I said at the top. Yeah, I, you I just can't don't live see with us. Well, I, 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 I hope you're wrong. I just don't see that. I think you have to be strong. I think you have to no, be strong. I, I do. FIFA I, have to be strong. Morally, and I the, completely if, agree. For the I'm next just, hundred years, for the health of football, now is the time to be strong, no. even if you have to take a lot of pain in the next five years I, or the next two World Cups. I don't disagree, but when, you know, obviously the Premier League sit down to do their next TV deal and they say, well, you know, really without those six, you know, we're going to give you X, you know, you've got six teams now from the championship, so it's going to be a, a whole lot less. You know, it's, it's going to be a very painful pit. I totally agree with you. Uh, morally, it's absolutely the right thing to do, but since when did morals have anything to do with football in the last 10 years? <laughs> the Hawksby and Jacobs daily podcast from Talk Sport. Hawksby and uh, Andy Jacobs here on Talk Sport. Uh, a, a busy 24 hours for the Tottenham Hotspur supporters. Trust that for a number of fans' group. Uh, we could have chosen any one of the clubs involved, but we chose Spurs, of course, because it's now the added dimension of uh, the fact that the manager was sacked this morning. Joining us now from uh, the Trust, I'm a, a, a proud uh, supporter and member, uh, Martin Cloak. Good afternoon, Martin. Hi, how are you guys? Yeah, good, thanks. I mean, I I read your statement yesterday. The headline was a betrayal of Tottenham Hotspur. Um, I mean, we'll come on to Jose uh, in a moment, but, um, uh, you know, There's we're not hearing... much to talk about, is there? <laughs> no, that's true. We're hearing more and more mm. stuff about this all the time. I mean, uh, how are you feeling about it, sort of after all the initial sort of knee-jerk feeling that we all had of this this being a disgrace, really? 
Uh, still, it's a disgrace. I don't think there was a knee-jerk feeling because we've been campaigning around the uh, these proposals for a while. There's been rumours that various things are going to be happening for a while. Uh, reforms so-called to the existing format. Uh, and, and now this. Uh, and I think the, I mean, I've never, I, I've, you know, I've been a fan since the late 70s and I've been involved in a lot of fan campaigns over the time. I can remember the, the campaigns that spurs over the executive boxes on the old shelf. I have never, ever seen such anger, not just from our own fans, but from fans right across all of the clubs that are involved from the rest of football. Um, and it's not just the fans. I think the only people that want this are JP Morgan's executives and the billionaire, unelected, unaccountable owners who have seized control of our football club. Uh, it is seen as an absolute disgrace. It's a fundamental attack on what makes sport sport. You know, the whole point of watching a sporting event is that you don't know who to win. Mm. It's jeopardy that makes it exciting. What these people want to do, these people who are the temporary custodians of our clubs and no more, however much they think they're, they're, they're more than that just because they've got money, these people want to completely undermine that. Who wants to watch a game and a sport where it doesn't matter who wins and loses? What is the point of that? Mm. That they've got absolutely no right. There's been no consultation. There's been they, They've known what our initial views on some of the basic ideas have been for a long time. So they went off under cover of a pandemic when fans aren't in the stadiums and they know mm, that we can't absolutely. make our views in the way we normally will do. They've skulked around in the shadows and they've come up with this absolutely disgraceful attack on the very, very fundamental nature of our sport. Are you surprised that people are furious? I've never seen anything like it. No, I agree. These people are a disgrace. No, it makes you make good points, Martin. And I, I wonder what it would be like if fans were were in. They probably wouldn't have done it. Let's be honest. But if they had announced this with, and fans say Wednesday night, and then obviously they hadn't sacked Mourinho, it would have been very interesting to see the Tottenham fans' reaction towards Daniel Levy for this. And the same at Chelsea tomorrow night against Brighton. The, the how they would have reacted against the board, and they would have heard what the fans really think of this. But in the end, it's only fans turning their back on the game and people not buying television um, subscriptions. To, to football channels that will stop this happening because they think that whatever happens, the fans are addicted to it, to all of this and they'll get money and they'll pay for it and they will watch it. People will want to watch the game you described that people won't want to watch. I think look, there's always an element of that. and But I think that that's every time something happens in the game, people say, oh, well, in the end, it's really the fans' fault. And as we know in football, everything that goes wrong is always the fans' fault. Uh, you know, it's the fans' fault for continuing to turn up. It's the fans' fault for continuing to show that loyalty. And there, there is a point there. Uh, you know, maybe it is the time for people to turn their back, but that is a big thing for a football supporter to do. Because the reason that football is a successful business, and we accept it is a business, you know, there's no question about that. But the reason that it's a successful business is because it is not just another product. So, but, you know, people I have known who've gone to games, who've never been involved in anything remotely, small P political activism, mm. anything like that, are saying, if this goes through, that's it for me. Now, there'll be people listening who'll go, oh, well, yeah, it's easy to talk. And yes, talk is easy. We'll see what's going on. But I think that you're going to find that, you know, especially after this year, a lot of people are going to say, you know what, this isn't for me. I'm having serious doubts about it, because if this goes ahead, this isn't my sport. And this isn't my club. They've stolen it. Martin, let's move on to uh, Jose. I mm. said on the day he got the job on, on the show that he'd leave us 14th and toxic. So he's left us 7th and toxic. So I guess he did a better job than I thought he would. 
Um, so, uh, what's your feelings about it? Personally, I, I was relieved. I looked at the team on Friday and, and just thought they were going through the motions. It was another flat performance. And I thought in the last two press conferences, Jose had effectively checked out and was starting to talk in riddles as he often does. Um, and the end game was on. So, uh, I, I'm relieved. And I think Tottenham have a far better chance on Sunday under the temporary management they would have done under him. Uh, but what's the point? <laughs> What of winning well, that game? If, if this is that's what people are asking, yeah. and uh, you know it's the first time. You know I got hooked on this game partly because I was at the 1981 Cup final. Mm. You know both games, the greatest Cup final ever, and the, the greatest goal scored in the greatest Cup final ever. Uh, and I, I'm starting to think how how much does it really bother me? Of course, I still want us to win, but that, that they've they've ripped the heart out of this at the moment. I, th- I think the problem with with the Jose thing is that, and this is always difficult for for supporters' trusts. Um, because we we have a, a, a statutory duty, you know, like part of our rules and regulations are uh, to make sure that the best interests of the club uh, are served. And there are always going to be different opinions about managers and about players. So personally, I was never a fan of Mourinho, I've got to admit. Uh, I've never made any secret of that. Um, and I had a pretty good feeling that things would end up pretty much as they have uh, at the moment, but with a toxic atmosphere. Other people had a different view. So as a supporters organisation, we always back the manager. We want the team to do well. We want the manager to do well. I think most people had seen, and again, the reading of the mood was that he'd, he'd lost the players. That you, you looked at that team and they were playing with fear. And we've got some of the most exciting and, and talented players of, of, of any squad in the Premier League. And the way that that team was playing was not what they were capable of. That's not saying it couldn't have been improved, but Jose himself said that it couldn't have been improved, mm. brought in a lot of his own players, and we've ended up worse than we were than under the last guy who was apparently a mm. failure uh, and, and, mm. uh, and, and didn't have the players to work with. So we've gone backwards. When, they, when the board appointed Mourinho, we said to them, what's the plan? What's the strategy? They never answered that question, yeah. and they still haven't. But now we know what the plan is. They've got it wrong time and time again on the playing side. And these things happen, you know, hindsight's a wonderful thing, but they keep getting it wrong. So they've decided that as we keep getting it wrong, let's eliminate the consequences of getting it wrong in future, make winning and losing less important and have a closed competition where we're in it for good. Uh, we can never get kicked out of it. We can never be relegated and that's it. No, that is, I totally agree. It is. Mm. is. Um, Just finally, uh, you have regular meetings. Well, you know, I think a couple of times a year you sit down with the chairman, don't you, as as part of the trust. When, when's that likely to happen again? I I think you've asked for a a meeting. What what have they said to you? Well, that's that's a good question. Uh, They've not talked to us at all about this. And when we raised this at the last meeting we had with them, and we said that you need to be cognizant of the feelings of of fans about the proposals... Uh, Daniel Levy's answer was, well, I'm a fan too. <laughs> He's in a minority well, yeah. on this. Wow, <laughs> I, I think we'll leave it there. Uh, Martin, yeah. good to talk to you as always. Thanks very much. Thanks, fellas. Martin Cloak there from the uh, Tottenham Hotspur Supporters Trust. I'm, I'm sure the feelings among yeah. all the supporters, trusts and supporters groups, and we know they are, we've heard from a lot of them on TalkSport over the last 24 hours, are just, just the same. I think the fans they, are not They must it. have known, though. The clubs, yeah. the people who released this team, they must have known fans are going to react like this. They obviously don't care. No. But, uh, they said, that's why we'll I think ride it's it. We rode the Premier League. The Premier League was different. At least there was nominally yeah. still promotion and relegation built in yeah. under the auspices of the FA, although they were railroaded into it. 
this is different. There's no promotion and relegation. This is a franchise model without all the bells and whistles that make franchise models work, really. Uh, it's it, Anyway, Andy Brassel's with us shortly. The Hawksby and Jacobs daily podcast from TalkSport. Just finally, Andy, you love European football. You've made it your life's work. We chat you about it every week here on Trans Europe Express. The idea of you seeing all those clubs that you love watching uh, in the Champions League suddenly going into this ring-fenced kind of extension of the sort of summer Champions Trophy matches that we see played around the world. But how does it make you feel? Not great at at all. Um, I don't like the prospect at all. I think the heart of sport, as I'm sure most people who listen to this um, station think, is it's about competition. And unfortunately, I think that football and a lot of clubs have crossed the line from sporting competition into being in the entertainment business. Mm. There's no, nothing to say there can't be a balance between the two. But all I, all I would say is to, for people to talk about this being the end of football is too much. And as someone who supports AFC Wimbledon, who had that worst thing happen, you know, having no club to support, as some fans out there of, say, Manchester City or Chelsea or Arsenal might be feeling today, um, th- there's always a new start. And as a football fan, you do have power. You do have community. That's what we've grown up with as, as, as football supporters. And having gone from, in our case, as um, Charles Williams said on Twitter earlier, from like playing Manchester United and then two and a bit years later playing Sandhurst in a stadium that well, was basically a field where people sat on hay bales to watch the football. The last 20 years of my life as an AFC Wimbledon supporter have been the most rewarding mm-hmm. because you're not at the behest of businessmen who think that profit is the most important thing, who think that there's a commercial imperative that comes above community. Community is the important thing that binds football together. Well said. Thanks, Andy. Absolutely. Thank you. Paul Hawksby and Andy Jacobs here on TalkSport. Motti joins us uh, very shortly. As we said, we think he'd seen it all in football in his 50-plus, 60 years involved. Uh, Well, this is a new one on him. We'll catch up with him, talk a bit of Mourinho and more in a few moments' time. The Hawksby and Jacobs daily podcast from TalkSport. Paul Hawksby, Andy Jacobs here on TalkSport. Time now to... Normally in this slot, again, we'd have a a breeze through all the fixtures at the weekend, but I think uh, events have overtaken us. So John Motson joins us. Good afternoon, Motty. Hello, Paul. Oh, what, a, what a busy 24 hours. It is. I mean, what, yeah. what was your initial... I mean, you know, you've lived through a lot in football, John, and you've commented on it and you've worked in it. Um, and you, you were there, of course, for the Premier League and, and other upsets in the game. What have, what have you made of uh, the announcement yesterday? Well, in all my years as a football reporter, I always thought the game had one great quality. It's democracy. The fact that, you know, from Premier League down to grassroots, um, everybody could enjoy their football in their own way. And this this attempt, I won't call it a meritocracy, but this attempt to sort of siphon off the top six, I agree with everything that's been said this morning, really. I mean, I, I think it's a nonsense. It was described by one person as, a, in football terms, a nuclear war. Well, maybe it is because uh, it's got as, as high as Boris Johnson now, hasn't it? And he's saying that it's, it's, it's a bad thing. And I think just about everybody that loves football would agree with that. 
Um, I thought possibly um, the, even the UEFA plan to widen the Champions League was worrying me because I thought after the pandemic, uh, football needed time to settle down. The crowds would come back. We would get used to the game that we've grown to love. But, oh, dear me, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't think it'll go through for a minute, by the way. I think Arsene Wenger's right about that. Um, but it, there's going to be um, days and days of speculation and point-counterpoint from the people who are, you know, who, who have tried to get this through. Um, and I just, I was just shocked, actually. That's probably the best word. Uh, when Gary Neville came on yesterday afternoon uh, during the Sky game and, and, and we, we heard about it for the first time. And I've heard about nothing since, really. And, uh, Motti, your point about football love is, is a good one because the Guardian headline today is only someone who truly hates football can be, be behind a European Super League. And I think that's a, it's such a blatant disregard of the fans at a time when we've never known more clearly that fans are the most important thing in the game because without them, the football has been pretty, you know, pretty dry, hasn't it? Really, it's not been great to watch no. without fans. And it's such a disregard of, of that. Yes, ironic it should happen on the weekend that uh, an attempt was made to start to bring spectators back. Um, I, I just feel that uh, all, your actual football lover, which is what you're really referring to, uh, is never going to tolerate this. I mean, it's just, uh, it's been rumbling for a little while, hasn't it? The, the big picture and all that. But goodness me, I, I, just, I just can't see it happening. Also, from a commentator's point of view, John, I mean, what a fairly antiseptic experience it would be commentating on a game of football where there's no real jeopardy that a team can finish, uh, one of the 15 sides that are ring-fenced can finish 20th in their league and know that they're not going to go down, know that they'll be there uh, picking up the cash the following year. I mean, as a commentator, being part of that, I think, would would be a very odd experience because football is about jeopardy, isn't it? Yeah, and I mean, the repetition of the same teams playing each other over and over again, we'd soon get bored with that in about the second year, wouldn't we? Mm. Um, I, 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 just, uh, I just feel it's, it's contrary to all the, um, all the genuine things that footballers has protected down the years. That's, that's the thing that annoys me most, the fact that these people have tried to break away and just more or less um, just said, well, all right, the rest of you can just get on with this. It's very, very unfair. Yeah. And um, I, I, think, I think anything that can be done in the short term, particularly uh, to stop this going any further, is essential. Marty, you say you're agreeing with Arsene Wenger and, and Biden, that Simon Jordan, who said the same thing. He thinks it won't go ahead. But the thing is, how do the people involved in this, if it doesn't go ahead and they have to go cap in hand back to UEFA and uh, just try and push for a how do they build bridges with the fans? Ed Woodward, the stuff that Saffron is saying today uh, about the sort of duplicitous nature of the way this has been going on. Daniel Levy, uh, all the whole Arsenal Yeah, but the fans ball. can't stand them anyway. Yeah, they can't, know, United but, fans can't stand Ed Woodward. Yeah, but... It'd be uh, quite this, happy to see him go this, tomorrow. This is a kind of an extension of, you know, this is, this is all the reasons why they maybe don't like these people writ large, but would they stand for it anymore? Would they start to vote with their feet? Would they say, you know, we won't get forward again, we've seen what you're capable of, it didn't work, we want you out of our club. Well, I think there's going to be an awful lot of humble pie eaten, isn't there, uh, if they're going to step down, um, and, and I think they should, and I probably think they will uh, in, the, in the short to medium term. I, I, just, I just think the, 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 the people who've advanced this uh, are not the people who the 
genuine football lover uh, necessarily has a great deal of respect for at the moment because there's been some contradictory things said by one or two of them. Yeah. And uh, I, I, think, I think this casts a very bad shadow, if you like, over, over one or two people at the top clubs. I mean, of, of the clubs like Manchester City and Liverpool and Chelsea as well, who've had a good relationship with, generally with the owner and the higher. I'm really surprised about Roman Abramovich. He's done so much. You think what he's done during the the virus, the COVID crisis, how much Chelsea have, yeah. have done for the community. Well, I mean, all these how, clubs. How much did he? Though. His last statement he made about the club and what it meant to him about women's football, how important everything, how the community, the fans, all that goes against all of that. I'm so surprised yeah. a man who doesn't need the money, let's be honest, would go along with that. I'm really disappointed in him. I am just don't get it. And the Liverpool fans have had a good relationship with the Fenway and they've been pleased with their ownership. But we see today they've taken down the banners uh, outside Anfield, the big red banners, and they've hung up black banners saying, shame on you. RIP LFC and LFC fans against European Super League. So, you know, the fans are, are making their feelings. They can't be there to do that, Motti. And as Andy was saying earlier on, that's probably why the clubs are doing what they're doing because uh, they can't get that immediate feedback from 40,000-plus people. But it, it's going to affect the relationships between the clubs and, and owners that they previously had pretty decent relationships with. Yes, they already... Um forced a wedge between them, haven't they? And that's going to take a little bit of, of, of coming back from. But, um, uh, yeah, well, Liverpool obviously uh, made a statement themselves, and I think other clubs will as well. Um, and, of course, Liverpool being one of those who would have broken away, I mean, that's, that's quite indicative, I think, really. Shall we have a chat about Jose? I mean, because, you know, he, he probably be quite gutted uh, that he's been relegated to number two story of the day. But um, I mean, it was the the timing of it was interesting. As I said personally, I think it, it give, probably gives Tottenham a slightly better chance of winning that final, based on what I've seen in the last few weeks. But we shouldn't be massively surprised because he was starting to follow the same pattern as he did in his last two jobs at the end at Chelsea and and at Manchester United, John. Yes, and when you think Tottenham were top of the league in December when they beat Arsenal, um, and then you think what's happened since. I mean, this season, Spurs have lost 10 league games and they've lost 20 points from winning positions. I mean, there was something wrong, obviously, in the dressing room. Little, uh, little things crept into interviews that we heard, didn't they? And you got the feeling that all wasn't well. But I must admit, I think it was a surprise when Daniel Levy decided to do it just a few days before the Carabao Cup final um, because obviously he's got to get somebody in to run the team for the Southampton game and then for the Manchester City game at Wembley whether he's got somebody up his sleeve in the way he appeared to have Mourinho up his sleeve when he sacked Pochettino we'll wait and see or will there be an interim manager come in I mean it's uh, it, 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 it's a really testing time for Tottenham, isn't it? Uh, and yet, out of it may come something else that, that, that the fans will, will seize on, because I know there were Tottenham supporters who weren't happy with Jose. No, absolutely not. No, obviously, but perhaps uh, Daniel Levy was worried that if Spurs did go and beat Manchester City, you know, it would strengthen Mourinho's hand and it would be harder to get rid of him. Maybe he thought, was thinking like that. I don't yeah, know. I mean, he's normally it's fairly ruthless. Thing. But I just, think, no, I just think we'll find out. We'll find out against Southampton on Wednesday whether they those same players that have played with such fear and have yeah. been so stilted. I mean, the amount of 
poor. They, they just looked like they were playing oh, with an they're, unexploded they're that bomb. That squad is miles yeah. better than they're, Maybe Shane. under Chris Powell and Ryan Mason, who are existing coaches at the club, and I'm sure all the other coaches, like Ledley King and others, will be weighing in and working with them. That may be just... We'll find out over the next couple of days we're lifting that that uh, the sort of Jose-ness of what was going on in the team will make a difference or not, Motti? Well, yeah, I mean, may- maybe he's got somebody just to, to tie them over for a few days, but it, it's a strange time to do it just before a, a cup final when Spurs are so desperate to win a trophy. Uh, and that's what the fans want, of course. And so whoever he appoints in the short term has got a heck of a responsibility, really. Um, I don't know how Manchester City and... Pep will feel about it, but uh, it, it puts uh, next Sunday's final into a completely different context, Paul. Yeah, and we can find out today yeah. whether two of the best players uh, in, in both of those teams are going to be there. Both picked up ankle injuries, didn't they? De Bruyne yeah. and, and Kane, John. Yes, absolutely. That fitness test is vital for both those players. Um, and I don't think uh, for one moment uh, that they'll play in midweek. But, um, but I mean, the, 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 <laughs> the whole point about this is that nobody was expecting Mourinho to get the sack today, were they? At least no. nobody outside, maybe a few close confidants at Tottenham. Um, and, and, it's, and it really has thrown the whole thing up into the air uh, with regard to Sunday's game. Mm. Um, and and you, the players, you're right. I mean, there obviously has been some unrest there, and we'll see if their attitude when they come out on Wednesday night against Southampton, whether, whether that's different. Mm. But uh, goodness me, uh, on the back of what happened yesterday with this breakaway, uh, we... We weren't expecting uh, another story as big as this, were we? No, absolutely not. Well, I would have said before that story yesterday, based on this, that the chairman thinks there is still a tilt at top four to be had. But it doesn't matter if you're fourth or 15th in the brave new world of the European Super League, because you'll, oh, yeah. you'll still be at the top table anyway. The Hawksby and Jacobs daily podcast from TalkSport. Now, um, everybody's mm. been affected by this announcement, and that includes the Mr. Men. Uh, the, oh, yeah. And Ian Danter had a chat with the uh, the Mr. Men franchise today and to see if they wanted to put up a spokesperson. And, well, of course, they did uh, via Mr. Greedy. We have a little parable oh, for okay. you from uh, Mr. Greedy. Yeah, here it is. Mr. Greedy was very pleased with himself. Could you guess why? Yes, you're right. It's because he'd set up a new Super League with 11 of his equally greedy mates with no relegation. Now, feeling suitably smug, he left his plush Kensington penthouse apartment to go out for his breakfast. The door to the lift opened, and the concierge by the button said, Going down, sir. Don't talk rubbish, snapped Mr. Greedy. There's no such thing as that anymore. Mr. Greedy exited the lift on the ground floor and was heading for the exit while scrolling on his phone, desperately looking for positive news about his new league, and he wasn't looking where he was going. Some workmen in the lobby had opened up a section of the floor to do some repairs underneath. Careful, shouted the lift concierge to Mr. Greedy. You're going to head straight through the trapdoor. The trapdoor doesn't exist anymore, you ignoramus, snorted Mr. Greedy. And could you guess what happened next? Yes, you're right. He plunged straight down 20 feet and broke his leg. Now, after a trip to private hospital, Mr. Greedy had his leg put in plaster and off he went on crutches to his club stadium for the day's work. When he arrived, he first wanted to take a look at the pitch from the very, very top of the brand new three-tier stand he'd built with money from the league he was about to be thrown out of. What a view, smirked Mr. Greedy. But just then, one of his crutches slipped on the stairs and Mr. Greedy fell right down the stairs, over the wall and down into the section below. 
When he came to, Mr. Greedy was very disoriented as the ambulance team gathered around him. Where am I? asked Mr. Greedy groggily. You're in the second tier, Mr. Greedy, said the ambulance man. And can you guess what Mr. Greedy said in reply? Yes, you're right, he said. Blimey, the EFL took us in. Is it August already? Poor Mr. Greedy. At least he can afford the medical bills. Here we are. The Mr. Men's Brilliant. take on uh, what's going on in football at the moment. Thank you to Ian Danter, as always, for his Kenny Arthur Lowe, that sensational. Fantastic. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast from TalkSport. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast from TalkSport. There we are. That was this afternoon's uh, show. Thanks to Ian Danter, as always, for doing that for us. We'll catch up with you tomorrow, I'm sure. This one will run and run. Uh, Max is with me, and he's back on Thursday for the um, birthday spread, and he'll be back in the studio on Friday. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to the Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. Hear the guys every weekday between 1 and 4 p.m. on TalkSport. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much, but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Here's a cool fact: a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact. You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com.